Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 7 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, July 26th, 2023. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Sitkins will weigh in on two ballot propositions that, if approved, would impact Sitka School District finances and possibly its board. For the last 20 years, each summer, Sitka's sales tax has jumped from 5 to 6 percent. But once the bonds were paid off this year, the seasonal sales tax sunset. If approved by voters, Proposition 1 would impose that seasonal increase permanently and dedicate the additional revenue to the repair and replacement of school buildings and infrastructure. The city's charter prevents, quote, elected municipal officers from serving in other offices or on city staff. That means municipal employees can't serve on the assembly or school board. Proposition 2 would update city code to allow city employees to run for seats on the Sitka school board as long as they don't work for the school district. Sponsors say the proposition is needed in part due to the challenge of recruiting and retaining school board members. Both propositions passed unanimously on final reading with little deliberation at the assembly table. Now it's up to the voters to decide in Sitka's municipal election on Tuesday, October 3rd. The Assembly also approved plans for a marine haul-out at the Gary Paxton Industrial Park. We'll have more on that on Raven News tonight at 518. A seafood donation program that began in Sitka during the pandemic is still growing. Now called the Seafood Distribution Network, the program is supplying sockeye to families on the Yukon and Chignik rivers whose traditional salmon runs have crashed. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The market shift in seafood during the COVID pandemic created a problem for the industry. Unlike many other sectors, the supply, the fish, was still there. How to connect those fish with people when traditional markets vanished. For Linda Benkin, director of the Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association, it was about connecting the dots. So we worked with the local processors here to figure out what fish was stranded by markets being closed, by restaurants being closed, the supply chain disruptions, raised money, bought fish from fishermen that was sort of stranded product, and then started distributing it to people in town that told us they were in need. So it was really, you let us know if you need seafood, we'll provide it. And that's how Alpha's seafood donation program got started in 2020. Basically, a processor to doorstep delivery service for people who were having trouble getting by. It didn't take long for word about the program to get out. And then we started hearing from people outside Sitka that there was need and people really wanted seafood. So We did a distribution with Sea Alaska, for example, that reached every community in southeast Alaska. Um, And we did distributions in the lower 48 to tribes along the Columbia River, to Anchorage military families, to communities in western Alaska. So sort of where we heard there was need, we found partners to work with to make that happen. Benkin credits Sitka-based processors, seafood producers co-op, Sitka Sound Seafoods, and Northline Seafoods, along with tribes and tribal organizations across the state, for helping make the connections that kept the program going. On paper, it sounds like an impossible undertaking, delivering 645,000 seafood meals across the Pacific Northwest and Alaska, but Benkin says it conformed to basic Alaskan values. Alaska is a big state, but we're also a small state, and the communities really care about other communities. We have a lot of relatives in different parts of the state, 
and that there is clear reason for us to share between those areas that have a lot and those areas of scarcity, but the infrastructure isn't really there. So that's what we've been working on developing, is that infrastructure in Alaska so Alaskans can benefit from Alaska's fish. A grant from the Alaska Community Foundation got the seafood donation program rolling. A regional food systems grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture helped ramp it up. But just the energy of regular Alaskans is helping fuel things now. In a pilot project in Dillingham this June, Alpha organized a drive to collect subsistence sockeye for communities affected by the crash in Chinook and Chumstocks. Natalie Sattler is the program manager for Alpha. We worked with a lot of community members and locals in Dillingham in the Bristol Bay area um, to help us collect seafood. And it was all um, subsistence donations. And within one week, we were able to collect 5,000 pounds of sockeye. And folks were just, we, they rallied support. They went down to their set net sites and were just kids, families, everyone just, you know, picking fish um, and donating it and getting it ready to um, ship out. This year, the sockeye will be going to communities on the Yukon and Chignik rivers. And besides providing food, Benkin says the fish are intended to keep food traditions alive. What we've heard from people in these communities that aren't able to harvest fish themselves right now because of scarcity um, is that they really wanted round fish because being able to process that fish as a family is and as a community is really culturally important. The pandemic and the salmon crash have been a one-two punch for many communities in western Alaska. In a news release, Representative Mary Peltola said programs like Alpha's Seafood Distribution Network were a critical part of the rebound. Low salmon abundance is an issue that needs to be addressed at every level, from the federal government down to individual communities, and efforts like this are an important piece of that larger goal, Peltola said. Reporting in Sitka with help from Brooke Schaefer, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Biden administration has carved out $120 million for tribal communities across the nation to adapt to climate change. It's part of $440 million set aside for tribes from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act and other federal spending. The administration says it's the largest amount of climate change funding for tribes in the history of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. But as KNBA's Rhonda McBride found out, that money won't go far in Alaska. As director of the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium's Climate Change Initiative, Jackie Schaefer travels to communities on the front lines of climate change. New funding coming out, it's great. Any drop of funding that we have the ability to access is good, but... And in that word, but... There's a lot to unpack. Schaefer says this latest round of funding won't even cover half of what it'll take to move Kivalina, a community in the Northwest Arctic that's on the edge of being devoured by the ocean. Another problem, the federal grant is competitive, which means that drop of funding will disappear into a huge bucket to be shared with tribes across the country. Schaefer says the communities which face the biggest threat should have top priority. In a statement, the Assistant Secretary for Indian Affairs, Brian Newland, calls it a historic investment that gives tribes the resources they need to develop and implement protective strategies for their communities. 
Newland says tribes should look at this first $120 million as a down payment for more help once the needs are identified and prioritized. He said that this funding builds on the work that the Biden-Harris administration is doing across Alaska and Indian country, including $25 million that went to Newtalk and Napakiak for relocation costs. Schaefer says this is good to hear, but believes the federal government has yet to grasp the true cost of climate change for communities like Kivalina. Even a water system, an average water system, is 70 to $100 million for a community that size. So when you look at that, then you start adding those costs. It really is. It's expensive to build a whole new community. Schaefer says most of the homes in harm's way are old and in poor condition. Most of the housing, I would say 80% of the housing in our rural communities cannot be picked up and moved. This is something else that you have to look at. Rick Toman, one of Alaska's top climate experts, says Alaska has another very pricey problem that other states don't have, melting permafrost. In 80 years, when people are looking back, the thawing permafrost is going to be one of the big, big ticket items that we will have had to deal with as Alaskans. Toman says the planning for Alaska will be difficult and costly because with permafrost, there are so many unknowns. We don't know the fine details. We don't know which stretches of roads will newly start to collapse under thawing permafrost, but we know it's going to happen somewhere and it's going to happen most places over the coming decades. Jackie Schaefer deals with these unknowns every day in her job with the Tribal Health Consortium, but this is what she does know as she visits communities like Kivalina, an island once eight miles long, now reduced to a mile. Our people, because they're so connected to the land, air, and sea, when they see things wash away that connects them to their ancestry, it's devastating. Realities, Schaefer says, that are hard to truly grasp in both cost and magnitude unless they're at your doorstep. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. Dr. Aparna Palmer took over as chancellor for the University of Alaska Southeast earlier this month. Palmer will manage campuses in Juneau, Sitka, and Ketchikan. During an appearance on Juneau Afternoon, Palmer outlined her goals. She said she hopes to increase the visibility of UAS after the pandemic with a focus on student recruitment. We don't want to be a hidden gem. We want to be that visible, shining gem that is present um, in the minds of all Alaskans and also has a presence in the lower 48. Palmer pointed to world-class faculty and small class sizes as draws for recruiting new students. She also said she hopes to promote student retention across the spectrum of university programming. When they're here at UAS, I want to make sure that they feel like the barriers to completion are lowered. No matter who you are, I want to be that institution that helps people um, to overcome those barriers so that they can have the dreams that they uh, 